0: All right, we're not going to be in uh, Revelations tonight. I have, uh, I've been going through a study on the Sermon of the Mount, and I thought it was a good idea, since I've been in that study, to share some of what I've found with you all. And I won't go through. We're going to start with the Beatitudes, which is uh, Matthew chapter 5. I was going to try to make my way through the whole list of the Beatitudes, But have y'all ever been in one of those Bible studies where you felt like you had ran a marathon when you got done with it? Like you just felt like you were out of breath and you never even left your seat? This is kind of what this has done to me. And uh, I've seen things in it that I've never really seen before. You read a list of things and you think, okay, I need to be more like this. That should be my goal to be more like this. But I think that I and probably some of you too have, will probably miss that. It's not really about being something. It's what you should already have the ability to be in you as being a Christian. So Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Who were before you. We're only gonna make it to verse six because that's about where I run out of wind. And I just want to show you some things in here that might see you might see a little bit different than what you've seen before if you've read this list. I know um, this list has been preached in this church. And I can remember seeing some of those things different then and I maybe it's just me and my walk and I'm just seeing things in a different light now than what I've seen them before. But we're going to start in verse 3 because we see just in verses before that Jesus calls His first disciples and then we see that He's ministering to great crowds. He's healing people that are sick and all these crowds are following Him. And then you see Jesus goes up onto the mountain and his disciples follow him. And he teaches them these things. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 3. Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Does being blessed mean you're given things? What do you think blessed here means? That Jesus would be telling us, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No matter
1: what
0: the circumstances are, you're satisfied. Okay. Anybody else? That's not that's not wrong. You're on the right track. Blessed in this language actually meant happy. It meant happy. And we hear happy as this kind of surface level type emotion, right? Things make me happy, I smile. But who smiles for being poor in spirit? And who smiles for mourning? And who smiles for being meek or hunger and thirst? Who smiles over those things? So I think we got to look deeper than that, right? So this is probably not just a happy smile because I really don't go through hard times and then I'm just like, this is just so bad, you know what I mean? Now so she's gonna start laughing, and I ain't gonna better stop. So this is more like a divinely granted happiness, I guess so to say. So you could say happy are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I can be happy about that, right? But then you ask yourself, too, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? I think
1: when we compare
0: our spiritual attitudes to the of of Christ, we become poverty, and we have poverty in our own way. Right, right. Because when you you basically have to see yourself for who you are. In God's eyes, right. So when I'm in when I'm poor in spirit, number one, we all have it anyway. We're all poor in the eyes of God anyway, as far as our spiritual standpoint, right? So unless I recognize, it ain't just saying that. Okay, I need to have a poor spirit. It means I need to recognize that without God, without His grace. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I have nothing, nothing. And helpless and hopeless is probably the worst place you could ever be, right? So you have to recognize that you are spiritually bankrupt. And apart from God's grace, there's no hope whatsoever. That's the first thing. And then, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's your your promise, there's your gift that comes with that. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now when you see the word mourn, immediately your mind is probably taken to Suffering loss of something. You think, well, I, I'm crying over a loss, right? But that word actually means something that's a, a little bit deeper than that. It actually means to mourn, lament, or it even is, it, it can mean to feel guilty or something. So blessed are those who mourn. When you look at this sorrow that is given by the Holy Spirit, it would be towards something. Flip it with me if you would to Second Corinthians chapter seven, and I want you to see what he is what he's referring to here. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse ten. Paul says, for godly grief, godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas on the flip side of the coin, worldly grief produces death. So godly grief or godly sorrow produces a repentance. So what is comfort from a godly sorrow that produces repentance? What would that be? What comes out of that? Salvation. That, there's your comfort. The scripture said we come to Christ when we're free five with a broken contract of spirit. Right. When we're crushed. But now with the sinful nature, they, we realize that what we have done so we right that's exactly right so could a question here be do i have godly sorrow for my sin even still today does my sin bother me today am i so broken over it that all i can do is repent it it should be that should be a question we could ask out of that that's that, that was the one thing that stood out to me. I thought, you know, can we get can we get so used to living a life still in sin that it just becomes numb to us, or do we still, from the very time, you remember the time when your eyes were open, right, and you felt just broken guilt? There was nothing you could do but cry out. Do we still feel that way when we sin? Went back into the world, they forgot what the called, forgot what it was all about. Right. And that's why you see those churches fail. Yep. It's because they, they forgot about this They went, they thought they were good. They lived under the name of Christ, the church, and they were gone on, but they were just as lonely as well. Right. And that's a that is a dangerous place to be. Us, it is. I've been there M- many times. I have been there. And uh it's a very, very dangerous place to be when you don't feel guilt over your sin anymore. he was done. Right. You know, they
1: say that he, he him. He, he, yeah. You know, and I was terrified and then one day I just got hit and it was like my heart hurt so bad because I'm
0: like how in the world was I at that point when I was like back and I Yeah. I know what you mean. You know, I remember Gillette
1: and I going to a Philly Grand i know in that scripture that I just wrote and at the end the invitation was given and it was people just out of the statement just flowed uh, and that's always bothered me because have they received a false hope that they have did it for all the right reasons and I'm not here saying they didn't but it was Nothing lined up with scripture, right? As you it, you cannot come to Christ or God unless drawn by by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And just like my sister just said, Sam, somebody won't live in my house if I don't welcome them back. This is a house that's bought by the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will not dwell in this house if He's not
0: welcome. He welcomes in, you and I. And, and when you get a feeling like that, you're not welcome the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you're just You're suppressing you're it. You're that vessel out there just floating yeah. on the sea. And any wind that comes it's blowing to and grows. Well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And,
1: uh, and it's only when we come back and ask the Holy well, with us to lead us back to Christ, and that's the danger of being led walking out that door on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or whatever, or even I tell you, on Hayfield, with us, you walk off because the word also says that the spirit of man, the spirit of God will not always dwell
0: with man. Right, you'll never have an encounter with the gospel and not be changed either for the better or for the worse. You either deny it or you believe it. One of the two. No, you're fine. Go
1: ahead. We have a little 11 year old granddaughter
0: that goes to uh, Christian Life uh, Cat. Well,
1: some of their mission work that they have to have a missionary <coughs> come in. Like on, I think he came in on Thursday night, Friday night, finished up on Saturday. She had already received Christ. At a younger age a couple years back, baptized what was. And that night, son in law had his head down, and invitation was given, and he said it was, he said it was one little preacher that just preached. Fire and bread called mm-hmm. called Hail, Hail, Heaven, Heaven. Yeah. We don't hear that a lot anymore in some churches. Right. And and he preached the word, and of so course he had his head down and he raised up Aubrey was gone. She'd gone up in second time. She cried all the way from that schoolhouse back home, couldn't tell her mother what had happened. Well, she was so broke. Right. And then, and then Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for what it stands for. On Monday, she said, Well, how was your day off? She said, oh Said so that God is ooh, so it worked out. There. So, so I got saved,
0: so and so got saved today in the day class. So I just don't know what's going on. It. You know that just makes a cold chill run over my hands. Yeah. The legs, right? You know thats the spirit of
1: God in a child. Yeah. A child is not going to put on if it's not real. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. They—they they have a habit of telling the exact truth, exactly what they think about everything. <laughs> No, you're fine. Okay. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, I don't know what y'all tell me, what what uh understanding do y'all have of the word meek? Maybe it's, it's close to what my understanding was before, too. Humble. Strength under control. Gentle, loving. So, what examples do we see? What examples do we see in the Bible of, of meekness? Let's just start in the Old Testament. Can y'all think of any? That robe that was cut off last Sunday of the king. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moses, I think, is a good example. I think it was in uh, what was the book of Numbers where Moses was said to be the meekest man to ever walk the face of the earth. So you think of Moses' position he was in. So here he is the the daughter, the son of the daughter of Pharaoh, right? So he had every opportunity to be worked on up in the ranks to be above everybody else. He chose rather to follow God's will instead of his own will. That could be one way of showing meekness. Uh, what about David? Think about David David knew he was going to be king, right? He had the opportunity to kill Saul. Did he do it? He actually went through all the suffering from Saul trying to kill him because he knew what God's will was for his life. And you see many, many more of those examples in the Old Testament. And then you get to the New Testament and we have the ultimate meekness put on display in the person of Jesus Christ. So you have to ask, what exactly is it? Because you could say, you could put a definition on everything, but you see it lived out. And I, and just some of the things that I wrote down as, number one, it's not something that's natural to us at all. Because naturally, anytime come, somebody comes against me, naturally, I want to go back against them. Nuh-uh, you're not going to do that to me. But it's not so much of just taking. It's not so much of just, you just throw things at me and I just cower down in, in fear. That, that's not so much of what it is either. You think of the martyrs who were meek. Why did they die? Did they die because they hid in a corner? Why did they die? What did they die for? What do martyrs die for? I believe
1: and these or your because of the belief You're a martyr
0: right, you are so you believe something with so much of yourself that no matter what it is, even if it's to the point of death, it doesn't matter you'll die for this thing and it's more of a a noble quality given to you one of one of my favorite uh old preachers of the day um Martin Lloyd Jones he actually put it like this he says, Meekness is compatible with great strength. It's compatible with great authority and power. The meek man is a great defender of the truth. You can't be a great defender of the truth if you're hitting the corner somewhere, right? It's not about just being a nice person. It's not about just being easygoing. It's about standing up for what you believe, but doing it in a way. Think of how this comes in the order. So you have... To be poor in spirit, right? And we said poor in spirit was to see who you are, that you are spiritually bankrupt without God, right? And then you see the very next thing. It says, those who mourn, you're spiritually bankrupt. You have a godly grief for your sin. And now you're told to be meek, which tells me that without those first two things, that third thing ain't coming. This is not a list that you get one and you get one and you get one and you get one. We all have these things. You should be able to see this in your life as a Christian because these are not gifts that you get yourself. This is given to you by the Holy Spirit, period.
1: have
0: that. Right. I mean, this should be a checklist to go through and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't have any of these things." Okay, well, that should throw a flag and say, "Why? Why? Why don't I have these things?" Right? And I know that's a subject that a lot of people don't want to. Don't question people's. I'm not questioning anybody's. I question myself all the time. Am I? Am I living right? Am I doing these things like that are God? God is telling me to do. Not this list that I have to check off, but. Am I trying to pursue godliness or am I pursuing my own things? That's what we should ask ourselves. When you see this list there, it's there not to just take up words on a page. It's there to provoke you back if you're veering off or maybe even say, I'm not any of those things. And somebody told me that I was saved back in 87 whenever I went under the water and nothing changed in me. This is the list of change you should see. Right. You're not going to nail it. Right. I mean, you have to work at every single day. And you then you're
1: going to find back there where was before you started
0: working. Yeah, you can't expect to live a godly life if the only time you hear God's word is on Wednesdays and Sundays. It's just it it, it don't it don't work like that. If you don't have a living breathing relationship and I mean, it's not a hour in the afternoon it's an all day that it's no wonder paul tells us to pray without ceasing it's an all-day thing and how many relationships would work if we only talk to one another one day a week for an hour think of it would a relationship work that way not at all but
1: you know if we don't want we'll make something really Am I doing this wrong? Am I doing this right enough? Is this the We don't have to worry about that because when the Holy Spirit is working within us, that's our guidance. That tells right. If that not, God. you'll make a law out bad of it. And so right. He's our checklist. And if we got him where he needs to be and we're welcome, and, he de- and we desire him to keep up with the precepts of the whole body life, mm-hmm. Right.
0: Right. And what we see here in this list is a, not a check off, do these things, be a meek person. This is a character that you should have as a Christian. Number one, I don't see how. You can even come to Christ without at least going through the first two things of this list. That's, that's what, that's what happens in you. You, you're not naturally any of these things. How many times can you ask somebody in the world, um, is that misery nice for you? And them say, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's the best thing ever. But you say it's the exact opposite. And this is kind of the upside down to everything. We, They look at us and say, This is what you want to be? This is how you want to live? A life of suffering, and you're fine with that? They can't understand it. The word points out that the strong man
1: does not understand the righteousness of the
0: faith. That's exactly right. They look at worldly suffering instead of spiritual. Right. Right. All right, verse 6, and this will be the last one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The person who thirst and hungers for righteousness, what does that look like? Chasing after God with everything. I like that. With everything. With everything. With everything I have. Because our if our one desire as Christians is to be like Christ and to be with Christ, it's almost like it's this desperation is what it feels like. I desperately need to have more of you and be more like you, but you can never get your hands completely on it, right? Until the very end. And that uh, psalm that Kevin preached on weeks and weeks back, Psalm 42, you ain't got to flip there because I'm only going to read the first two verses. It says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? That Remember he said this is not the pretty little deer that frolics up to the water and it's this perfect picture that we imagine in our head. This deer is dying of thirst. And it needs that water. That's the hunger and the thirst that he's talking about here. I can't get enough of it. And even what I do get, I mean, when I was doing this study, I mean, I, like I told you, I felt like I was, like the wind had been knocked out of me when I got to even where I'm at right now, just for all the things that I just kept searching and finding. That ain't good enough. That's not enough to hold me to the end, right? I got a grasp for that, for that every single day. He was going to say something. But
1: why do we hunt? We've been emptied of the junk that's in our life and it has to be replenished. We, our life has always got to be filled up with something for us to be satisfied.
0: It's going to be filled up with something <laughs> all the time. Yep.
1: Right. Exactly. The garbage of the world or the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Right. When we have gone through those first steps in one through five, that garbage has been removed. We've got an empty soul that's got to be filled.
0: So we hunger and thirst for the word of God to replenish that. One of the one of the quick times what Bobby's saying, a lot of times we try to feel that with the worldly things. Yeah. Absolutely. No Until you are filled and
1: died
0: by that. Right. And the things of the world that you can be filled with, they're everywhere. You don't have to thirst mm all. Open your phone up. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, if you hunger and thirst for something, just think of, think of it from a physical standpoint. If I am dying of thirst or dying of hunger, am I going to walk up to the refrigerator and go, ain't nothing in there I want to eat and go sit back down on the couch? Any, I, I will take anything, right? Just give me something. Well, it's no different in the world really because we're going to grab at those things because you constantly can't get enough of whatever it is. And, it, and we all, we're always worshiping something. If it's not God, we're worshiping something else. But think about it. All through the years of your life, how many times have you changed your mind about something? couple times. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: they like shirts tonight shirts tomorrow I'm in I'm in Get online and buy every Christian shirt there is made get the whole You Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Something major has happened for me to change the way I think about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean that has happened to me in my Christian walk so much because, you know, used to I would think that, you know, death to me was the worst thing that could ever happen. And now, you know, just seeing the
0: the fact of where we live of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it's meant to be that way. But you know how many times do we try to create our own heaven on earth? But it's meant to look around and long for a place away from here because this is garbage around here. I'm not saying there's never any good times and never any glimpses of heaven, but just look around. You want to spend eternity here? Yeah.
1: But he stood up here and said, you know, I've worked my whole life to have all this land, to build up, to have all this. But now I'm at my age, I can't even enjoy it. What's it for? And what what are you all building your life up
0: for? All vanity.
1: I have all this and that. I got everything I ever dreamed
0: of. And I can't even enjoy it. Right. This, this doesn't matter down here. No.
1: And we gotta, we gotta take that advice from the older people who went their lives thinking they were gonna have a decent life down here, that they can't even enjoy it when they're, they're older. Right. The Bible speaks of that. So the rich they're up, they're it, but you wealth, they don't really give it all away.
0: And it hmm. just doesn't do it because they're the so We get caught up in that one. Yep, we sure do. And you know, you look at the other side, flip side of the coin with this, the world, the world's view on righteousness is more of a self-centered type thing. So it leads, it leads to pride. Whereas God's righteousness leads to me setting myself aside completely. I gotta realize ain't none of it about me. When you realize that, it's way, way easier to turn loose of those things. They don't really don't matter. doesn't matter the uh the life i guess of solomon is probably the the best one to look at for those who strive after everything in this world i mean what did he not have so the the wisest man there ever was he had all the money all the women all the everything you could possibly imagine in this life and at the end of it all what would he say every bit of it none of it matters None of it matters. Well, I wish I had more to go over, but I would have probably passed out on the floor and still been laying there if I'd have went any further with this. This is really, really good stuff. I hope I hope one day to be able to uh, to preach a message on this because it just it's one of those things. It's like fire in my bones. To when when you get a hold of something like that, you just want to spew it out to everybody, you know. But the the Sermon on the Mount a lot of people think it's just one little section. So if you have a Bible with all the red letters of Christ in it, look how long that thing is. And that's really probably a condensed down version. He probably said way more than that, but the Holy Spirit led the, the writer to put that much, but it's big. And then you get the Luke and it's like this. He just, just squeezes it down into a few lines, but read that whole entire thing. And... uh Read it with the mindset of this is coming from Jesus for a purpose. And look at yourself and kind of align yourself with what He's talking about. Don't just read it and say, okay, I'm supposed to be salt. I'm going to be salty today. Why did He say that? Why did He say the things that He said about the whole entire sermon? Because He didn't say it just to take up time. He wasn't saying, okay, I got 30 minutes to preach here. I'm gonna just add some filler in here. It's all there for a purpose. So take your time and really read through that. It's the book of Matthew is just it's an awesome book anyway. And um, I mean it's Jesus' first sermon he preached. It's probably important. Has anybody got anything? Any questions? I'll turn y'all out about 20 minutes early. all right y'all tell two people you love them and be dismissed hang out whatever you want to do